0: Alright, thanks for tuning in to another episode, And Another Thing, with Dave. Please follow, subscribe, and share. I'm on all social media, And Another Thing, with Dave. And keep seeking the truth. Greetings, fellow Earthlings, and welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, with Dave. Doing a deep dive this episode. Uh, I did a previous episode about the Clintons and their involvement in so many scandals. Uh, I focused on the Iran-Contra scandal, which I think is the linchpin. That's the scandal which created our crack epidemic. A lot of people don't know about their involvement. So I kind of want to do a deep dive. I did an episode on this way back, I think it was my first or second podcast, but um, here we're doing version, you know, episode two, part two, and we're going to break down some of the Clinton scandals. So, this is from um, NPR, Clinton Scandals, A Guide from Whitewater to the Clinton Foundation, June 21st, 2016. Um, And I just want to point out this is a partial list because this doesn't even mention the Iran-Cantra scandal. Um, And, um, yeah. So, but here we go. Whitewater, 1992. What were the allegations? The granddaddy of all Clinton scandals surfacing during Bill Clinton's bid for the presidency. It's centered on financial contributions by Bill and Hillary Clinton into a real estate entity known as Whitewater Development Corporation during his time as an Arkansas state official. Eventually, the Justice Department and Independent Counsel launched investigations. The outcome, neither Bill nor Hillary faced prosecution for their involvement in Whitewater, but their public statements about the matter and the handling of documents that witnessing later reappeared came under uh, intense scrutiny. Their partners in the real estate investment were Jim McDougal and his then-wife, Susan. Jim McDougal was convicted of fraud charges for making bad loans, and he died of heart disease in a Texas prison. Susan was convicted of fraud in connection with obtaining a $300,000 federally-backed small business loan. She refused to answer grand jury questions in the Whitewater affair and was held in contempt of court spending 18 months in jail. Bill Clinton pardoned her before he left the White House in early 2001. Then we've got Travelgate, the allegation. Not long after Bill Clinton entered the White House in May 1993, seven workers in the travel office were fired. The White House attributed the outstir to ethics and financial record-keeping problems in the office, Critics said the Clintons got rid of government workers to make room for cronies. The FBI was tapped to investigate. <clears throat> what was the outcome of this case? The Justice Department, at least one congressional panel and a special prosecutors all probed and special prosecutors all probed for uh, probed the reason for the firings okay independent counsel ken starr found no blame rested with bill clinton another independent counsel scrutinized hillary clinton's involvement and statements about the firings but seven years after the event he found no basis to bring any charges against her then we've got the death of vincent foster Uh, For people who don't know, Vincent Foster was the highest-ranking official to die in office since the Kennedys. Um, He died in in a very suspicious manner, and his body was found in the park, face down, with a gun next to him. But his shoes didn't have dirt on them, so how could he have walked all that distance, 100 yards into the park, whatever? And then Bill Clinton put the park police... In charge of the investigation like not the FBI the park police Wow so kind of weird so here we go the allegation White House lawyer Vince Foster was found dead in a Virginia park in 1993 Republican lawmakers and conservative interest groups suggested foul play in the death perhaps tied to swirling ethics investigations of the Clintons that Foster had handled In a document found in his briefcase, Foster wrote, I was not meant for the job or the spotlight of public life in Washington. Here, ruining people is considered sport. So that was supposed to be a suicide note, I guess. Uh, The outcome, investigators and family members said Foster had struggled with depression and fears about keeping his security clearance if he sought help for the problem. Uh, Multiple investigations by the FBI, the Justice Department and special prosecutors concluded that Foster died at his own hand. Then we've got Paula Jones, Monica Lewinsky. Um, We've got Filegate in uh, the allegation investigators delving into different scandals found hundreds of FBI files on former White House workers. The information also covered the backgrounds of Republicans in Congress. The outcome, two staff members who obtained the files quit their jobs, and independent counsel uncovered no wrongdoing by the Clintons themselves. But that's pretty much like a um, Watergate scandal right there. Pretty much like a Watergate scandal. Then we've got Benghazi. Then we've got the Clinton Foundation. Um... Allegation Republican lawmakers and watchdog groups have asked whether the Clinton Foundation established in 1997 engaged in conflict of interest or quid pro quo deals during Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State. Speeches by both Bill and Hillary Clinton to private groups and foreign governments have also been called into question. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, the Republican chairman of the Judiciary Committee and conservative watchdog at the Judicial Watch, are investigating the matters. Outcome. Congressional and outside investigations are ongoing. Republican lawmakers have asked whether the FBI is investigating dealings between the foundation, its donors, and State Department officials, but federal authorities have not publicly confirmed those topics are under law enforcement scrutiny. Uh, Then you've got the private email server scandal, and it wraps up the list there. But like I said, it didn't mention the elephant in the room, the Iran-Contra scandal. So now I want to go into that, and um, there's a fantastic documentary, which I'm citing here. I apologize for the sound quality of it, but the information in it is just fantastic. And this is called The Mina Connection. 1995, exposing Iran-Contra, Clinton, MENA, Arkansas, and the CIA drug smuggling, and CIA drug smuggling. Fantastic documentary, and it starts off with uh, just a, you know, a, a screen that says how the CIA's black operations compromised the office of the president, subverted the authority of Congress, and the judicial system. All right, so... Let's get into it. How the CIA's black operations compromised the office of the president and subverted the government.
1: On October the 7th, 1994, Sarah McClendon, the senior White House news correspondent who has covered 11 presidential administrations, beginning with that of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, demonstrated once again that she has the courage to ask the hardball questions other journalists only dare to think. As she confronted William Jefferson Clinton about the Central Intelligence Agency's involvement in nefarious activities, activities set at a remote airport in western Arkansas while Clinton was Arkansas's commander in chief, she finally cornered the man who was a co-conspirator in bypassing the Constitution of the United States of America. In doing so, the president was not only forced to address the looming scandal that may impeach him clinton once again demonstrated his trademark talent he lied
2: sir uh, the republicans are trying to blame you for the existence of a small air base at mina arkansas this base was set up by george bush and oliver north and uh, the cia to help the iran countries and they brought in plane load after plane load of cocaine there for sale in the United States, and then they took the money and bought weapons and took them back to the Contras, all of which was illegal, as you know, under the Boland Act. But tell me, did they tell you that this had to be in existence because of national security? Well, let me answer the question. No, they didn't tell me anything about it. They didn't say anything to me about it. The airport in question and all the events in question were the subject of state and federal inquiries it was primarily a matter for federal jurisdiction the state really had next to nothing to do with it the local prosecutor did conduct an investigation based on what was within the jurisdiction of state law the rest of it was under jurisdiction of the united states attorneys who were appointed successively by previous administrations we had nothing zero to do with it and everybody who's ever looked into it
0: knows that whole county prosecutor. Yeah, right, so that's why Bill Clinton, governor of the poorest state in the nation, rose up to become president? Hmm, right, it's a little fishy, isn't it? It's a little fishy, right? So, All right. I'll be back with a little bit more.
1: When it became apparent that uh, nothing was going to be done on the federal level, that's when I began more actively...
0: This is the voice of Charles Black, the prosecutor in Arkansas.
3: Soon it. Prosecutor Black, a Clinton supporter, met with the governor and handed him a letter requesting money for a state grand jury on MENA.
0: His response to me
1: was that he would uh, uh, get a man, something to defect that he would get a man on it and would get word back to me, and uh, I never heard back.
0: <laughs> there you go, and I never heard back. Bill Clinton
1: certainly knows. He was the governor of Arkansas who allowed the subversion of his state government by the shadowy forces radiating from the Reagan-Bush White House when ex-CIA Director William Casey began using the CIA to illegally conduct secret foreign policy. This serious breach of America's constitutional authority was labeled by the media as Iran-Contra.
0: Enter pilot Barry Seal, February 1986 plays a pivotal role, along with his C-123k military
1: transport plane he affectionately named the Fat Lady, in chronicling the true history of Iran-Contra. This story is about unmasking the deception that was perpetuated upon the American people at an ongoing cover-up, which has now spanned three presidential administrations, a cover-up designed to keep the American people in the dark about the unthinkable that trafficking in cocaine is justified in the pursuit of national security and foreign policy. This documentary is presented from two unique perspectives, from the outside through the eyes of numerous journalists, news organizations, and researchers constituting more than an eight-year effort to get to the truth surrounding the CIA's use of Western Arkansas as a staging area for deniable covert activities. And told from the inside through a man who survived the Mina connection, and who now, at great personal risk, is willing to set the record straight about the inner workings of the CIA's off-the-shelf, self-sustaining, standalone project known as the Enterprise. This intelligence insider, Terry Reid, has written a best-selling book, Compromised: Clinton, Bush, and the CIA detailing the inner workings of Ronald Reagan's backdoor foreign policy, mislabeled Iran-Contra by the media. Terry will join us later in this documentary.
0: All right, so I hope you see how deep this is going, right? And so in in the show notes here of this podcast, I'm going to list all links to all these documentaries, every place I've gotten my information. So I urge you to delve deep into this, you know, and, you know, find your own... Uh, find your own truth within the information that I will present.
4: It was here at Rich Mountain Aviation that authorities believed Barry Seal moved his operation. Terry Capehart owned a business at the Mina Airport, and he remembers when he first met Barry Seal in 1981.
3: Of course, I didn't know who Barry Seal was. I'd never heard of the man. And uh, Freddie introduced me to him.
4: Capehart didn't know of Seal's drug background then but remembers that this man, Joe Evans, former partner of Freddie Hampton's, brought in one of Seal's claims to Rich Mountain Aviation. Evans declined to comment for TV5 News saying it's his policy to, quote, keep quiet, unquote. Capehart said he began to see more and more of Barry Seal, especially after the spring of 1982. He didn't suspect anything until the Polk County Sheriff called him in with some troubling information.
3: Um came uh, in possession of some information that indicated some aircraft being serviced and stored on the uh, airport here was being used in an illegal international operation.
4: Capehart then began noticing some alterations to Barry Seal's aircraft that he says are common to drug smugglers.
3: That I seen myself.
0: Some ropes around it. And we were instructed not to go near the plane while
4: Mr. Seals was in there working.
1: This could be restrained.
4: She says... ...been outside my
2: house. already known are bizarre enough. What Unit 5 has been able to learn makes this story stranger still. It all begins in 1982, when this man, Adler Berryman Seal, showed up in Mena, Arkansas.
0: My top load paid me one and a half million dollars for a single trip.
2: Mary Seal was a drug smuggler, an extraordinary max already known our bizarre legal staging area for shipping guns.
1: The interest
0: of out-of-state media. Here's another clue uh, clip from a, a news report on the issue at the time.
2: Mena is a town of patriots and pickups, a town of 5,000 in the mountains of western Arkansas, a place that would seem as far away from American foreign policy as a place could get. And yet, one little airport on the southern edge of town is managing to raise questions that extend far beyond the city limits. A thousand miles away from Mina, here in Washington, there and this are is investigators Carol for both from WAMAQ, a- who would like to Channel know five what's going on at that little airport in western Arkansas. As Oliver North's public battle over government secrets and the illegal supply of weapons to the Nicaraguan Contras is waged in Washington, Congressional investigators in recent months have tried to learn if MENA, Arkansas was an illegal staging area for shipping guns to the U.S.-backed Contra rebels. This is a strange story. The facts already known are bizarre enough. What Unit 5 has been able to learn makes this story stranger still.
0: You know, so this story was all over the news, but, um, you know, Barry Seal was murdered in brutal fashion, um, and the reporter Gary Webb that originally broke the story, he was murdered, claimed to have committed suicide, shot himself in the back of the head with a nail gun, twice. Um, so... Yeah, this runs deep.
2: It all begins in 1982, when this man, Adler Berryman Seal, showed up in Mena, Arkansas.
0: My top load paid me one and a half million dollars for a single trip.
2: Barry Seal was a drug smuggler, an extraordinary, multi-million dollar a year drug smuggler, who with the help of several associates, kept and serviced his drug planes in a hangar at the Mena airport. Those planes, according to investigators, were illegally modified with extra fuel tanks and instruments in order to fly long-distance drug missions to Central and South America. Barry Seal paid his associates for those modifications with tens of thousands of dollars in cash, money which, according to investigators, was illegally laundered by Seal's associates at banks in Mena.
1: Yeah, I'm pleading guilty.
2: But when Barry Seal was finally caught in 1984, investigators for the FBI, the IRS, and other agencies of law enforcement were told little or nothing about a special deal he had made with the Federal Drug Task Force headed by then Vice President George Bush. The deal? The government kept Barry Seal out of jail and in exchange, Seal became a drug informant and helped put in jail some of his own associates in the international drug trade. But that wasn't all that Barry Seal did. Russell Welch, criminal investigator for the Arkansas State Police. Did Barry Seal ever say to you, I work for the CIA?
0: He said he was working. I worked for the CIA. So, so this is amazing, right? The CIA, George Bush Sr. was at the head of this program, right? He was the ex-head of the CIA, so he's the mastermind that came up with this. That's my hunch anyway. And what they're doing is they're circumventing Congress to support to overthrow democratically elected governments, right? That their argument was that they're leaning towards socialism. But these governments had had a democratic election, and Washington didn't like the results of that and wanted to go down there and change change the politics. So what they did is smuggled drugs into the United States, sold those drugs to U.S. citizens, creating the crack epidemic, and then sold those weapons, brought and bought weapons with that money, uh, removed the serial numbers from them so they couldn't be traced and then sold them brought them down to south america and gave them to the sandinistas they didn't sell them they gave them um, so this this scandal is just it's unbelievable
2: government kept barry seal out of jail and in exchange seal became a drug informant and helped put in jail some of his own associates in the international drug trade but that wasn't all that barry seal did
0: so that's so wild right so they set him up to be this kingpin and then they give him the option of like okay well you can rat on everybody else so they take down a bunch of small level drug dealers and and you know people abroad um... you know the poor poor leader of panama uh, manuel noriega he's either dead or in jail forever because we used his airstrips to refuel so he could never speak he could never see the light of day
2: Unit 5 has learned in the early 1980s, even before his arrest, SEAL had bought one of his planes from a CIA front, Air America. The plane was used by SEAL for drug smuggling, and the CIA company was paid in the traditional drug dealer fashion of $300,000 in cash. According to this confidential FBI teletype obtained by Unit 5, one of SEAL's associates said he was maintaining SEAL's aircraft at the MENA airport for the CIA.
0: So there it is, further testimony, right? So, man. Annapolis is next, good
3: morning. Hi,
4: how you doing there? Fine, thanks. And I wanted to say to uh, Mr.
1: Webb, a couple of people come to mind uh, when you talk about the CIA and drugs. Uh, Henry B. Gonzalez when he was in the House of Representatives, uh, Noriega, George Bush when he was Director of the CIA, Bill Bennett as the drug czar, and uh, I also read a lot of Noam Chomsky, and so I don't really think you're that far off the mark, sir. Uh,
3: there's compelling evidence to support your theory. Uh, well, if you, if you look at the book, I've got 70 pages of source notes. Um, like I said, like the series, most of the book is based on government's own documents and the testimony of government witnesses. Now, you can argue that, well, this wasn't official CIA policy.
0: This is author Gary Webb, author of Dark Alliance. He's also a journalist, was a journalist, for the San Jose Mercury News, who broke the story on the Iran-Contra scandal.
3: Which a lot of people have argued. Uh, I I will point out that at the House Intelligence Committee hearings in March, the Inspector General of the CIA, Frederick Hitz, disclosed that there had been an agreement signed in 1982 between the Director of the CIA, William Casey, and the former Attorney General, William French Smith, which allowed the CIA not to have to report incidents of drug trafficking by its agents and its assets. And I think, you know, that sort of eliminates the question as to who knew what when. When you've got the chief law enforcement officer of this country and its top intelligence official agreeing, sort of making a gentleman's agreement that the CIA doesn't have to tell the Justice Department when its agents and assets are drug trafficking, you've got a serious problem there. And I think the most shocking thing to me and to the members of the Congressional Committee was the fact that this agreement stayed into a, in effect until 1995. So you had 13 years there where the CIA did not have to report drug trafficking by its people. How long is the.
0: Well, and let's talk about this, right? Now we have. Enter Afghanistan. So Afghanistan did not used to be the leading producer of opium and heroin. That used to be a region called the Golden Triangle, which was Laos, Cambodia, and Thailand. But then once the U.S. military and the CIA lands in Afghanistan, Afghanistan takes over as the leading producer of opium and heroin in the world. Very odd coincidence, isn't it? A little too much of a coincidence. Anyway, thank you all for listening. This has been a short episode. Hope you dug it. I just wanted to give a little more depth and clarity into the whole Iran-Contra scandal and also the Clinton crime family and how they, are, they were in bed with the Bush family. That's how Bill Clinton made it to the White House. He did business with George Bush Sr. And once again, links to all these documentaries will be in the show notes. Peace out, and thanks for tuning in. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. I want to thank all of our listeners from all over the world. Please do subscribe and share if you're not already. All right, let's get into it.